You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Once again, this is the one and only, so far as... Anyone I know knows, haven't met anybody yet who says, oh yeah, I know another Garrett Ashley Mullet. The only Garrett Ashley Mullet, quite possibly ever, yours truly, host of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today is Saturday, November 27th, 2021. It is a Saturday, like many Saturdays which have gone before it. Unlike me, I am a Garrett Ashley Mullet where no Garrett Ashley mullet has gone before. This episode, we're going to talk about Lauren Bobbert. Bobbert, Bobert, Bobert. I don't know how you say her last name, actually, truth be told. I think it's Bobbert. She is a United States House of Representatives congresswoman from the state of Colorado, from, I believe, the 3rd District. And she is in a little bit of hot water because she was doing a speaking engagement down in Pueblo, Colorado, southern part of the state. And she made some comments about a representative from Minnesota, Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is part of the infamous squad, as they're known. These ethnically diverse house reps who are young and radical and of the left. Ilhan Omar is a Muslim. She wears a head covering and she doesn't like America particularly overmuch. Really, for that matter, none of the members of the squad like America overmuch. Very critical of America. They are a part of the wave of Democrat lawmakers, politicians who came in the wake of Barack Obama. Barack Obama wanted to fundamentally transform America. And so now you have all of these radical leftists who have said, hold my beer. And even Obama here, I think it was a year ago, several months anyways, came out and took the squad, as they're known, to task, saying you guys basically need to learn how to play well with others. You're getting a little bit ahead of yourselves, a little impatient, and uh, leave Nancy Pelosi alone, you mean girls. But Ilhan Omar, she is a very controversial figure. It really isn't about her being a Muslim first and foremost, although her Muslim background, her Muslim faith... Uh, is a factor. It should be a factor in how we understand where she's coming from, what makes her tick, why does she propose the things that she proposes, why does she say the things that she says, why does she take the positions that she takes. And responsible players in public life, in my opinion, should must go there in some form or fashion. You can't just gloss over the fact that 
Ilhan Omar is a Muslim, uh, that she has anti-American sentiments. She doesn't think that America, as it has historically been, is a particularly good country. She wants to see it radically transformed, maybe not 100% always along the lines that Barack Obama wanted to see it transformed, but she definitely wants to see it fundamentally transformed. And her worldview, her beliefs about God and who God is and about man and who man is and about society and about reality and the purpose of life and all of that, all of that goes into it. But again, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert got into trouble because she made some comments at a speaking engagement down in Pueblo, which, well, listen for yourself. I'll go ahead and play it and uh, we'll talk about it. I'm sorry for you. So, <laughs> so uh, the other night on the House floor was not the, my first Jihad Squad moment. Uh, so I was getting into an elevator with one of my staffers. And he and I, are, we're leaving the Capitol, we're going back to my office, and we get in the elevator, and I see a Capitol Police officer running hurriedly to the elevator. I see fret all over his face, and he's reaching, and I'm like, what? I can't, the door's shutting, like, I can't, I can't open it. Like, what's happening? I look to my left, and there she is, Ilhan Omar. Oops. And I said, well... She doesn't have a backpack. We should be fine. (laughs) So we only had one floor to go. And I was like, "Ah, do I say it or not? And looked over. And I said, oh, look, the Jihad Squad decided to show up for work today. (laughs) Don't worry. It's just her staffers on Twitter that talk for her. She's not tough in person. She doesn't. Yes. (laughs) So... There's a little bit of interactions with these folks there. So, yeah, there you get it. Lauren Bobert makes some comments which are of questionable taste. For one, she's riffing on the fact, the fact that Ilhan Omar is a confessing Muslim. And she's playing off of the notion that as a Muslim, Ilhan Omar might just be a terrorist. She could be. And there's kind of a a funny aspect to here, you know, this gal is a congresswoman. Ilhan Omar is a congresswoman. And you, you can't hardly imagine the Capitol Police being concerned about Ilhan Omar potentially carrying out a terrorist attack. Of course, that's not plausible. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. That's the idea of comedy very often, just in general. But it's also, in this case, fair to ask who is really offended, who is actually genuinely offended. Call Ilhan Omar the Jihad Squad Okay, that's tacky. Honestly. Is anybody offended? I don't know. Well, at a minimum, you have Ilhan Omar pretending 
to be offended. The Muslim community in America may be offended. Lauren Boebert apologized to the Muslim community on Friday, yesterday, after video of her making a comment, this comment, went viral over Thanksgiving. And here's what she says. I apologize to anyone in the Muslim community. I offended with my comment about Rep. Omar. I have reached out to her office to speak with her directly. There are plenty of policy differences to focus on without this unnecessary distraction. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree that this is a distraction. That was an unforced error. And you just gave that to them. Does it mean that what you said was objectively wrong? Just because the Muslim community might be offended? Just because Ilhan Omar is pretending to be offended? Does it mean that it's objectively wrong? Bad? Evil? No. But it was a bad idea. It was in poor taste. It was tacky. It was unnecessary. It was an unforced error. You stuck your foot in your mouth. And you shouldn't be apologizing for offending people because you shouldn't be saying things that are so careless, in my opinion. If you wanted to talk substantively about the fact that Ilhan Omar's background, her worldview, her positions are inherently anti-American and that her religious convictions, the community she hails from, is contrary to our values as Americans, they want to promote Islam, which is antithetical, ideologically, politically, theologically, socially, culturally, antithetical to our culture as Americans. Go there. Absolutely go there. If that upsets people, tough, tough noogies. The Muslim community is offended by America because we have very, very different ideas about who God is and who man is and what the purpose of life is and what God wants from us and how we should treat one another. We have very, very different ideas. But that said, even insofar as I am pro-America and I am pro-Judeo-Christian values and I am opposed to the Islamicization of the West, I still don't think we need to be tacky. I don't think that we need to be sloppy. I think we need to not just go out swinging willy-nilly and trying to get a couple of chuckles. Like, you know, it's, it's as if in a battle, some jokester is just popping his gun off in random directions. And then if you challenge them on it, they say, oh, what? No, it's a battle. It's a war. Got to keep my gun you know, warm. No, save your ammunition for the enemy. And if you're popping shots off without paying attention when you don't need to, for one, you're letting the enemy know where we're at. For two, you're showing a lack of discipline yourself. For three, you might shoot yourself or one of us instead of shooting the enemy. At a minimum, you're not going to be very effective against the enemy. For another thing, you might shoot one of your own people or yourself. 
And that doesn't do us any good. That does our enemy a lot of good. So stop it. Knock it off. Omar tweeted Friday, saying I am a suicide bomber is no laughing matter. Now, to be fair, Lauren Boebert didn't say you were a suicide bomber. And you recognize right here, no laughing matter, you recognize right here that it was a joke. But you want to be offended. You want to be offended. So you can change the subject from how disastrous and unpopular the Democrats are right now for America. Normalizing this bigotry not only endangers my life, but the lives of all Muslims. Does it really? Like, really? I'm pretty sure what Lauren Boebert just said there changed nobody's minds. Was it silly? Yes. Was it dangerous? Not to you. And you know it wasn't dangerous to you. But, of course, again, very simple-minded folks in the middle are going to buy into this pretended outrage, this clutching of pearls by Ilhan Omar. Oh, I just can't believe you would say something like that. That's so awful. Woe is me. Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat from California, claimed the Congresswoman's slur, that's what he called it, a slur, would, quote, inspire more death threats to Ilhan and her family, end quote. Swalwell also report, reportedly accused uh, Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, of condoning these things. Kevin McCarthy needs to hold Lauren Boebert accountable, take her off of all of her committee assignments, put her in the corner, ground her for the rest of the week, take away her driving privileges, I don't know, something. Kevin McCarthy really needs to deal with this. Says the guy who literally was sleeping with a Chinese spy. You don't have any room to talk. You want to act like you're concerned about the safety and welfare of people. How about you be concerned about the safety and welfare of Americans who are jeopardized by your illicit affair, relationship, romantic entanglement with a literal spy of the Chinese Communist Party? I don't want to hear it from you. Rashida Tlaib, Democrat from Michigan, another House rep, says, the continued silence and inaction towards this hate-filled colleague and others is enabling violence. It must stop. The question we should be asking is, what violence? Where? What violence has been caused by Lauren Boebert? Please, fill us in. Give us the details. Who has been hurt? Who has been harmed physically? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Violence. You meant language, right? Like language is now violence. And if you say something that the left finds offensive, that's violence. I, I, I forgot for a moment. I thought you meant like actual literal physical violence, like somebody plowing into a parade of children and their parents and elderly grandmothers because they've decided they hate white America. 
because they've been listening to the mainstream leftist talking points and the president of the United States and various other Democrat politicians, government officials. I, th- I thought you meant that kind of violence, but oh, okay. My read Elordi reports for thedailywire.com. I pulled some quotes of various persons. One I didn't mention. Rep, rep uh, Representative Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, some Republican, by the way, tweeted, Bobert is trash, all caps. Not just trash, trash, with all caps. Like she's really trash. Then retweeted Bobert's Republican primary challenger, Marina Zimmerman, who piggybacked on Kinsinger's remark and asked followers to, quote, help me take out the trash. So we have Republicans calling Bobert trash in all caps on Twitter. And they're serious and they really mean it. Republicans from Illinois. Gotcha. For a counterpoint, I want to play a little segment from Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel Live, 18.2 million subscribers on YouTube. YouTube tells me how many thousands of likes this video has. YouTube will not tell me how many dislikes. I went ahead and disliked the video. I'll tell you that up front. But we're not allowed to know. We're not supposed to know how many people thought this was in poor taste. But take a listen to a Jimmy Kimmel Live late night TV host for ABC, Emmy nominated host and executive producer. I'm sorry, not just host. Take a listen to his segment, recent segment, regarding Lauren Boebert. Earlier this week, we heard from Congresswoman Lauren Boebert of Colorado. This is a woman who wears glasses to make it seem like she can read. She is (laughs) apparently not a fan of, of me or our show because over the weekend, she tweeted a clip from our monologue with the message, good morning, Jimmy Kimmel is a sexist pig. Have a great day. Which is rude. It's very rude. All I did was say her videos reminded me of stepmother porn, and which was obvious, I thought, was obviously a joke. I mean, her videos are so much dumber than stepmother porn, but some of these videos she makes are so unbelievably over the top, it's hard to believe this person exists. They seem like sketches from Saturday Night Live, so much so that we went out on the street and we showed some people passing by clips of her actual videos. These are her videos. We told them they were from Saturday Night Live last weekend and asked if they thought SNL had been too mean. And wouldn't you know it, we found all sorts of people who thought her real videos were written comedy bits. We need a full investigation into just how many puppies were eaten alive on Fauci's watch. I think it was a good kid. The look, the hair, the voice was perfect. Yeah, almost real. Almost real, exactly. I want old Uncle Joe to have as much time at the beach as possible. In fact, my impeachment articles would totally free up his schedule. I mean, it's over the top, but that's what SNL's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a little 
you know, to make the point. I like the actress. She's really pretty. She actually looks familiar. I was trying to figure out who she was. How do you think Lauren Boebert would feel seeing that sketch? I, I think she would feel like it was too far and be offended by it. If you're a public figure, you kind of have to expect that type of stuff. But it wasn't tasteful. I delivered one of my children in the front seat of my truck because as a mom of four, we got things to do. Ain't nobody got time for two and a half months of maternity leave. Are you embarrassed to see Hollywood portray a, a congresswoman this way? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm very disappointed to see that. that that's how they betray one. Oh, yes. That was obviously scripted by whatever directors did all that. But I feel like the real Lauren would actually be like a little upset about that. She has family, she has kids, she has other people who ha would have to see that. And it's embarrassing for her, it's embarrassing for the country to see. They did go too far. They did go too far with this one. Now, what if I told you that this is really Lauren Boebert? Oh, it is? It's true. Seriously? It wasn't comedy at all, right? Like, she didn't mean it as a comedy. Oh, wow. So she really said that? She really said that. Okay, that's, that's interesting. That almost seemed like a comedy skit, but not that funny. Well, you know what, I, I couldn't possibly agree more. And that's enough of Jimmy Kimmel. So apologies, uh, I guess, after the fact, uh, for any children who heard that first part of Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, there's a reason he's on late at night, but I just want you to look at that double standard. Look at that double standard as far as what is a laughing matter to the left. Mainstream media personalities will absolutely run Republicans through the ringer. Another one of these videos that shows up on the sidebar on YouTube I look down here, human boil, Ted Cruz starts trouble with Jimmy Kimmel again. Human boil. We're going to call Ted Cruz a human boil. United States Senator from the state of Texas. Human boil. That's pretty dehumanizing. I mean, you're calling him a, a, a boil. You're dehumanizing him. You're depersoning him. You're creating psychological distance so that then you can destroy him if at all possible. Jimmy Kimmel opens up his bit here, his segment, admitting that uh, he was mocking Lauren Boebert and her videos and her comments, her podcast or whatever that is. I don't know. I don't watch it. But that he was saying it was a reminder of stepmother porn. I mean, that's extremely degrading, gross, nasty, awful. But by all means, let's take away all of Lauren Boebert's committee assignments because she made a joke in poor taste about Ilhan Omar being a terrorist, potentially. It was a joke, but was it in poor taste? Yeah. Is it? the end of the world? Uh, no. And again, it's the pot calling the kettle black. It is Democrats who have 
no standard of propriety whatsoever, no respect for a duly elected member of Congress, so long as that member of Congress opposes their policies, their agenda, but they expect absolute respect for their side. We're not going to show you any respect, but by golly, you'll show us all the respect in the world. And if you make one wrong move, we're going to really go after you. We're going to go after you with everything we've got. We're going to make a joke about how you wear glasses so that people think you can read, which is another way of just saying, hey, you're really, really stupid. You're really dumb. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so original. Conservatives are stupid. Yes. Yeah. Republicans are stupid. I haven't heard that one before. That's original. <laughs> Man, didn't see that one coming. Ilhan Omar, for her part, her tweet back on Thursday was to call Bobert a buffoon. Quote, fact, this buffoon looks down when she sees me at the Capitol. This whole story is made up. Sad she thinks bigotry gets her clout. So you're calling a fellow member of Congress a buffoon. Okay, she's a buffoon. And now you have no leg to stand on in claiming moral high ground. I mean, you, not that you did. You didn't have any moral high ground as it was before. But right here, you're just demonstrating that you're not above being mean and awful and disrespectful and nasty to fellow members of Congress, even as you insist that nobody ever be unpleasant or ugly towards you. And again, Lauren Boebert, being ugly towards Ilhan Omar, yeah, I'll give you that. But you're every bit as ugly back, and the Democrats in general are every bit as ugly, every bit as unpleasant, nasty, mean, and worse. She looks down when she sees me at the Capitol. She look, what's, what's that? Because she's intimidated by you? Because she's... She feels threatened by you. Why would she feel threatened by you? Right? You're, I mean, if, if what you're saying is true, Ilhan Omar, if what you're saying is true, then you're okay with intimidating Lauren Boebert, but you want to be the one who gets to frame that as being a good thing. It's actually a good thing if you intimidate Lauren Boebert, if in fact you do, which I kind of doubt you do. Doesn't seem like she's all that intimidated by you. But again, though, Going back to Lauren Boebert's apology, this is a distraction. This is a very silly, ridiculous, absurd, embarrassing moment for our country that this is the state of political discourse. When Jimmy Kimmel on late night TV can go around to low information voters and show them a video of Lauren Boebert making comments out of context. And by the way, the whole puppies being eaten alive thing, show the broader context when you let people see that. How many of those people who don't even know what Lauren Boebert looks like to know whether that's an actress playing Lauren Boebert or that is in fact the congresswoman from Colorado's third district? How many of those low, informa low information 
uh, voters on the street know about the experiments on beagle puppies, which Dr. Fauci's, I think it was the National Institute of Health, was experimenting on. I mean, there were experiments involving beagle puppies. You can go look it up in which bugs were put on these beagles' faces, their their heads. Their, the puppies put in this box or just their head is in the box and they're trapped. They're, they're not going anywhere. And the rest of their body is hanging outside of the box, but their head is in the box. And then a whole bunch of bugs are put in there to eat them, eat their heads, eat their faces while they're alive for science. I don't know how that is scientific. That seems to me like a really twisted, sick, sadistic, dark, evil game. Somebody just enjoys causing suffering to this creature. But that's what Lauren Boebert was demanding an investigation into. But so you don't show the broader context, which would actually be far more interesting to get into because you're a political hack. The most important thing for you is Democrats getting power and keeping power. It's all about power for you. It's not about the truth. And for that matter, a whole lot of other people are supposed to get this Jones effect from you showing videos of Lauren Boebert making statements out of context and reacting poorly to them. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's so laughable. How embarrassing. She had one of her children in the front seat of her pickup because she's too busy. Again, clearly a joke. She's talking about paid maternity leave, this cause that Democrats are championing. She's making a joke. Again, is it tacky? Maybe. Is it somewhat amusing? Probably in the broader context, if you're listening to the totality of what she's saying. Do I need to defend that? Do I need to support that? Do I need to praise that just because she's a Republican? And I probably agree with her on a lot of her policy proposals and how she's going to vote. Do I need to defend that she made a joke about having a child giving birth in the front seat of her pickup because she's busy? She's a working woman. Do I need to defend that? No. Is that a distraction? Yes. Is Lauren Boebert the main problem that we have in this country when it comes to the uh, state of our political discourse eroding? No. No, she's really not. She's really not. And for that matter, just like Jimmy Kimmel's crew can go and cherry pick low information voters on the street in some big progressive Democrat stronghold city and use that as a lever to try and convince the rest of the country that Lauren Boebert is this backwards, ignorant hick. And by extension, all Republicans, all conservatives are as well. A whole lot of people on the other side of the equation who are Republicans and conservatives and have propriety and are polite and well-mannered They don't watch Jimmy Kimmel and they don't want to watch Jimmy Kimmel. And for that matter, my just playing that short segment 
made their skin crawl and it made them slightly nauseous. They didn't think that was funny, like Jimmy Kimmel's audience, his live studio audience, or his laugh track. Maybe it's a laugh track. Probably a laugh track. One would hope. But those very proper Republican conservative types, they don't watch Jimmy Kimmel necessarily to see the state of political discourse on that side of things, the abject disrespect and dehumanization of Republicans and conservatives, which comes from the left. Now, what I'm not doing here, just to be very, very clear, I'm not saying, well, the left started it. They're being tacky. They're being rude, disrespectful, embarrassing, shameful. And so that makes it okay for us to do so also. What I am saying is, I think we've got bigger fish to fry than either having to swoop to Lauren Boebert's defense or having to repudiate her. I would say from a tactical standpoint, when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to maintaining a good reputation, when it comes to not playing into the hands of unscrupulous, morally bankrupt, dishonest, evil, vile people on the left who do know better, who are not low information, they're just very dishonest. They're the reason there are so many low information people in America, actually. They help to make us all a lot dumber and keep us dumb. You don't want to play into their hands. And because you don't want to play into their hands, you don't give them undisciplined nonsense. If you've got something on Ilhan Omar, like her being married to her brother, like her having helped to sponsor and co-sponsor very, very damaging and destructive ideas, policy proposals, legislation, talking points, narrative, which is destroying this country. If you've got something on her there, stick to that. Stick to the facts. Those are actually, truth be told, quite enough. And then when the left gets offended and outraged because you're citing facts, then you can fold your arms in front of your chest and shrug. What? But just emoting at the left because that's going to drum up some support among the bikers for Trump crowd. I I think we can do better. And I, I actually, I think if you sell it to the bikers for Trump crowd, this is how we win. Stick to the facts. Be substantive. Be disciplined. If you sell it to them as that's how we win, maybe you get farther. And maybe you do them a favor as well instead of appealing to their basest emotions of the moment. Emotion's not going to save the day here. It might help, but you're going to have to have substance. You, you just gots to. You gots to have the substance. And I'm not... In that little clip there that Lauren Boebert's got to apologize for, I guess, supposedly. I'm not seeing a lot of substance. I'm seeing conduct unbecoming of a congresswoman. But at, at the same time, the same time that I say that, do I want Kevin McCarthy participating in any way, shape, or form in reprimanding our side? We police our side. We take our side off of committee assignments. We censure our side, 
even as the other side leaves Eric Swalwell in place? Where's his censure? Where's the censure for Nancy Pelosi, who knew all about it? No. Have a private conversation with those folks and say, listen, we've got the Democrats right where we want them, and we're going to win big in the midterms for America if you don't play into their hands and give them something stupid. Trump did the same thing. Trump kept so many of his promises. I was amazed. I did not expect him to fulfill as much as he had promised to on the front end. Did he fulfill everything? No. Did he get a whole lot more accomplished as a Republican president than any other Republican in my lifetime? A lot more for good, a lot more for this country's well-being. Did he get a lot more accomplished? He did. Was he a fighter? Yes. Is he still a fighter? I think so. But he gets up on the debate stage with Joe Biden and he commits one unforced error after another, after another. Self-inflicted gunshot wound. Shoot yourself in the foot. Here's a crazy idea. Let Joe Biden be his own worst enemy. Let him talk. You conduct yourself with discipline, poise, decorum, propriety. Enough. Don't go out there swinging haymakers willy-nilly, exhausting yourself, walking right into a trap. Don't go berserk. Don't be a stuffed shirt who pretends to be a Republican like Mitt Romney, all the while being to the left of half of the Democrats. Don't be this pompous, pretentious, presidential-looking, whatever that means, type character. All the while, you stand for nothing and you lose. But if you want to fight, fight smart. Fight well. Fight to win, not just to be able to say you fought. Fight smart and win. I want to play another video for you. And this one actually is some indication that the left may be getting the memo that the Democrat brand is really broken right now, and they don't have enough time before the midterms to recover. They're going to lose big in the midterms, barring something catastrophic, like us shooting ourselves in the foot, like 14 Republicans voting for Biden's Build Back Better cornucopia pot of gold at the end of the rainbow spending package. Check this out from actual Saturday Night Live. This is pretty funny, really. It's a skit called Republican or Not. Sketch game show. Actually funny from November 20th, uh, about a week ago. Take a listen. This is Brady. Now, he's going to make a few statements. Ring in as soon as you're ready to guess. Republican or not. All right, Brady, give us our first clue. I think Facebook is evil. Oh, wow. Um, 
Because they're spreading disinformation or because they banned Donald Trump? <laughs> Not so easy, is it? <laughs> Maybe we need another hint. I would say you do. I buy all my produce straight from a farm. Because you want to or because you have to? <laughs> I don't know, Miss Ohio. You the expert. <laughs> Keep going, Brady. I respect pro athletes who stand up for their beliefs. Which athletes? And which beliefs? <laughs> who knows? Could be her or him. <laughs> no guesses? Okay, then. Give them the last clue, Brady. God, I hate cops. Okay, he is not a Republican. Oh, sorry, so close, but no. Brady is indeed a Republican. No, but, but he said he hates cops. Yes, but he was talking about these cops. <laughs> yeah. Well, better luck next round. Let's meet our second guest, Lacey. Lacey came here from Manhattan. Uh, New York City or Kansas? I can't say. <laughs> Stop the clock. On Twitter, my pinned tweet is my body, my choice. Uh, okay, that's a trick. She's talking about vaccines, right? Oh, if we only knew. <laughs> Another hint, Lacey. I support Caitlyn Jenner. In what way? <laughs> Politically? Y'all doing great. You're great. Give us another clue. Okay. My favorite comic is Dave Chappelle. Starting when? <laughs> I love my job. All right, give him another one. Last month, I went to a board meeting and complained about a book being taught in my daughter's school. Okay, I definitely know that one. She's a Republican. No, sorry. What? She was complaining about a book in her kid's school. That's right. And that book... The Bible. <laughs> and very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, just for those of you who haven't seen that skit, the two athletes, professional athletes, whose pictures are shown are Megan Rapinoe, uh, captain of the U.S. women's soccer team, uh, also very much a creature of the left, and Aaron Rodgers, who has been in this big controversy here lately because he didn't want to get the COVID vaccine and a whole bunch of people wanted him to get canceled, uh, tried to get State Farm to drop him. State Farm, for their part, actually stuck by him and said, hey, we don't agree with what he's uh, saying here, but he has a right to his own opinion. Uh, so that's pretty funny. And then the whole cops bit, I hate cops. Uh, they flashed a picture of the Capitol Police during the January 6th uh, protests. Take back America, whatever whatever it was called. So, uh, funny stuff there. Actually funny. And what is telling here is that SNL, Saturday Night Live, is poking fun at Democrats and Republicans. And pointing out that there's a double standard when it comes to why we might hate Facebook. Which athletes we support having the right to express themselves and their opinions on what's correct. 
which books parents might object to their children reading in school. There's an equal opportunity aspect, which is valid. Uh, But this could be Saturday Night Live realizing that they have gone so far left that they're not not funny anymore. They're just frankly not funny. And in order to be funny, they have to poke fun at the people who absolutely can't stand being made fun of. Conservatives being made fun of, we're used to it. We're totally used to it. That doesn't mean all the jokes are actually funny, but it does mean that we roll our eyes and we go back to work because we've got jobs to do. That's why we're having babies in the front seats for pickups and and all that. We don't have time to be offended. I am too tired to be offended when somebody makes a joke in poor taste about how I should take a shotgun to that stork that keeps bringing us all these babies. Uh, True story. That was last week. I don't have time to be offended. I just frankly don't. And I'm too tired. If I had the time, I would be too tired to be offended. But the left, meanwhile, they think that the world should revolve and the sun should rise and set on whether they are feeling okay. You make fun of their precious fifis, and boy, howdy, they are going to scream into the sky. You don't consider their pronouns as valid, and you accidentally misgender them, so-called. Also known as referring to them as the gender which they appear to be, because they intentionally muddied the waters, and then it's your fault when you get confused. But actually, they're the ones who are confused. They will throw an absolute tantrum like they are three years old and you told them they couldn't have chocolate milk. Conservatives, for the most part, certainly this one, are too tired. I am too. I look at someone throwing a tantrum and I think that looks exhausting. I got to go to work tomorrow. I can't be expending energy on that. Come on. But I think also, too, I mean, there's. There's a sense in which, as one of my friends here in Greeley pointed out, we are just so very, very tired of always having to walk on eggshells. We're tired of being made fun of constantly, insulted, our intelligence insulted, our integrity insulted. We are tired of being maligned with every dirty slander in the book. And a lot of these jokes, they're not actually jokes. They're not actually jokes. This is what the left actually thinks of us. And they're laughing because they think they're destroying us when they say these awful, ugly, untrue things about us. They think they are winning. And I think Saturday Night Live might be catching wise to the polling numbers. They look at (laughs) Kamala Harris's polling numbers right now and they realize, oh no, she's actually less popular than Dick Cheney was after he shot a guy in the face and boondoggled the Iraq war, the second Iraq war. And I think Saturday Night Live is realizing, oh, you know what? We might have to throw these conservatives, these Republicans, these not-the-bee folks a bone. But again, I don't think It is to our credit 
if we stoop to their level just because they're doing it. Well, they started it. You know what? We can do better than they started it. You know what would be the most satisfying counterpunch? Winning. I think that was arguably the most compelling part of Donald John Trump's platform was you are going to get so tired of winning. We're going to be winning so much all the time. You're going to get tired of it. You're going to get bored of winning, but we're going to keep on winning. You know, that's a great line. It might be a little bit of overhyping, a little bit of exaggeration, hyperbole, but winning, winning is what we want. I want you to take a listen. This will be the last audio clip for this episode, which is going a little long, I admit, but this last little bit from George S. Patton, at least as portrayed by George C. Scott in the famous film about Patton, titled, creatively enough, Patton. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war, because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. Now, an army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. The bilious bastards who wrote that stuff about individuality for the Saturday Evening Post don't know anything more about real battle than they do about fornicating. Now, we have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, and the best men in the world. You know, my God, I 
actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now, some of you boys I know are wondering whether or not you'll chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face, you'll know what to do. Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Now, there's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home, and you may thank God for it. Thirty years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II, you won't have to say, well, I shoveled shit in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Oh. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. That's all. And now you know how I feel. That's all we've got for this episode. Apologies to all of you fine folks, listeners, who might have had children in the room for this episode. (laughs) Apologies on behalf of uh, Jimmy Kimmel and George C. Scott playing General George S. Patton. Have a great rest of your day, as always. Thank you for listening. Until next time. God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. <laughs>